How are you all doing well this morning? Wonderful, well, good. My name is Jimmy Ranshaw. I'm the next-gen minister here. I am not Doug, so I'm sorry. He's on vacation. You know, maybe you can try to send him a text like, man, there's some other joker up here. I don't know what's going on. Um, but I am excited to be wrapping up this series that we've been uh, speaking about. This, this, this going through First Peter, this letter that Peter wrote to this church, and, and this idea, this living hope that we have and today we're going to be wrapping that up, so if we could open up your Bibles to First Peter chapter 5, and we're going to be really camped out there. If you have your Bibles with that, open that up. If you don't, please, you know, download the Bible app and open it up and follow along on your phone. We're going to be really digging in that time. As you're doing that, I'd like to tell you a story uh, about something that happened to me uh, many years ago. I went to a wrestling camp with the rest of my wrestling team uh, at Old Dominion University. And on our free day, we got to go to Virginia Beach. Anybody been to Virginia Beach before? Yeah. And we go there, and we show up. There's a, you know, a bunch of us big, strong wrestlers. We, we barrel out, and we realize there's nobody on the beach. Like, this is strange. This is weird. It's Virginia Beach. It's, you know, middle of summer. There should be a bunch of people. Well, we look out, and it's because there's this massive storm system that's coming in. And so these waves are giant. I'm talking like six to 12 feet at times, you know, these giant waves coming in, and most normal people go, yeah, I'm going back inside, or I'm going to go find the pool, but it was our only free day, and we're a bunch of wrestlers, so we're not all there anyways, and we're like, let's do it, right, so we all jump in the, in the water, and we start running around, and we're trying to, you're trying to just, you know, have fun, and you're doing whatever you can, and finally we just start doing this game where it's like, okay, let's see if we can just stand up to each wave, and if you get knocked off, you lose a point, right, because we're all competitive, and that's what we do. So we start doing this game over and over, and it felt like each wave was getting more and more violent, and believe it or not, at the time, I only weighed about 120 pounds, and so I remember standing there one time, and we're getting pummeled and pummeled, and there was this big one coming. And it hit me and my three other buddies, and I started rolling up and shoved me, it felt like under the sand, brought me up, and have you ever had, have you ever kicked yourself in the forehead with your heel? Because that's what I folded in half, heel kicked me in the head, and I got like washed up on shore, just like, kind of like, ugh, like you see in a movie, right, you know, there, and as I'm like, wiping the, the sand and stuff in the water out of my eyes, I look over and my friend David is running as fast as lightning, covering himself because the sea had swallowed his shorts. <laughs> that day I realized how powerful the water can be. I realized how insignificant I can be. And I also realized that sometimes when I'm standing up on my own, I can't face everything in life. And so today we're going to be looking at, at the, this advice that Peter gives to the church on what it means to stand and how to stand up to others. And I want to read through this whole, whole section first and then we'll start going through it. It says this, Peter chapter 5 verse 1, To the elders among you I appeal as a fellow elder, a witness of Christ's suffering, one who also shared in the glory to be revealed. Be shepherds of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve, not lording it over those who entrusted to you, but by being examples to the flock. 
And when, when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will f- never fade away. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. I'm sure if you've been in the church for a little while, you've heard some of these statements before. Maybe you've heard people preach on certain sections of this. This is one of those, those sections of Scripture that is just so dense. It's almost like a, a very rich dessert, you know. Some of those desserts that have chocolate and fudge and brownie mix and all the other, like, things you can put in there. And you, you really can't get a bunch of it because each bite is so full. And so as we look through this today, I really want you to open up your hearts and your minds of what Jesus is going to be teaching you. When I looked at this this week, there are a couple things pointed out to me. The first thing is this. We need to stop letting our pride drive the way we act in our lives. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, Jimmy, I don't really know you, but I'm a pretty humble guy, right? Anytime someone starts off saying, I'm humble, typically they're not, right? I know that's been the case in my life. I'm like, I'm doing things well. I'm doing great. And I'm hearing the term I a lot in everything I say. See, we like to have pride in things that we do, and having pride in things you do is a good thing. But being prideful is a dangerous thing, especially when it comes to the kingdom of God. In this first person of this, uh, or first part of this, this message here, he's talking to elders. He addresses the elders, the leaders of the church. And he tells them, look, when you are, are here, you are overseers, you are the shepherd to this flock, you need to do that in a, a worthy manner. A manner that's, that's going to uphold and lift up and, and preserve the church. To build it up. Because there is tough times coming ahead. But then he also shifts his focus to young men in the church. And when he's talking to both these groups and he's talking to everyone, he constantly says this thing. Right? He constantly says, be humble. Young men, in the same way, be submissive to those who are older. For all of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another. I think sometimes we forget what humility really looks like. I think sometimes in our lives, we think humility is just something that, that only you know, people you know, get humbled by. And Jesus is saying, no, 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 no. You live your life through humility. We get so caught up in our lives chasing after titles and dreams achievements. We define ourselves by what we do, and that's not what God calls us to do. We, we search so hard for the next big thing, and it gets all of us. We all struggle with this. 
We all want to be the best. We all want to be known by other people. We all want to be respected. We all want to be accepted. And in there, each in their own little things, it's okay, but it can all build into this giant monster, this pride monster that builds up inside of us. I was at a conference one time, and I was listening to uh, Mark Moore. He's a minister at Christ Church in the Valley in Arizona. But before that, he was, this, this, he was at Ozark Christian College, and he was the man. Like, everyone loved Mark. He was like the, the guy that everyone went to. And uh, a couple years ago, he transitioned from being a college professor to stepping into the church world. And he tells the story that when he went, went to interview for this job, and when he got the job, he thought he was going to be the number one guy at that church. But when he got the job and saw the organizational charge, he was actually the number three guy in the church. And for that first year, he was very frustrated, very aggravated. He went from being in this place of power and respect on this college campus where all these young, bright students were going and worshiping everything he said, taking down every single note, to just doing some other stuff that didn't really always matter. And it wasn't until one of his personal devotion times as he's going through the book of Exodus and he's, he's, seeing, and he's seeing the wandering in the deserts and he's going through and he's looking at everything and, he's, and he sees Moses' life. And he goes through and realizes that Moses never got to get to the promised land. He said it struck him right there. He said this, God doesn't call you to positions in life, he calls you to seasons in life. When we get in the rat race, chasing after positions and titles and, and power, we're going to fall so bad. But when we understand that we are placed in each spot in our life to be a season in life, to do what God is telling you to do in that season, all that pride goes away. You become kingdom mindsetted, thinking, how can we further this out? See, the problem is that, that pride is all about building you up. But humility is about building up others. As David Rudcup used to say, uh, pride puffs up and humility builds up. And that's what we are called to do. That's what, that's what Peter was calling these, these elders and these followers of the church. Look, don't get obsessed with who's in charge and what's going to be happening. No, care for each other. Love each other. Grab hold of each other. My son was playing with these uh, magnet tiles. Some of them, I, I think they're called Picasso tiles. I don't know if you little kids think. And they're a bunch of geometric tiles that you can put together. And he was building some triangles the other day and, and standing them up and moving them around. And I started thinking about, you know, when you have pride driving in your life, you become very top-heavy. It's almost like you've built yourself a triangle and you're trying to stand it on the very tip and make it stand. It may stand for a second or two, but it only takes a little bit of push either way to have you toppling down. And when you're full of pride, oh man, how often do you lose it? How often do you become the person that you don't want to be? How, long do you, how often do you become a person that, you know, you can't even identify as a follower of Jesus? But yet if you turn, you turn that triangle on its side, and its base is strong, well, you could put it, other things on. It's not going to fall over at all, right? Its base is secure. When we are living and we are walking in a humble way, we are secure. Now, you may be thinking to yourself, well, Jimmy, I, I, look, I don't, 
I'm not a prideful person. I know I'm not. I, I've, I've been going to church my whole life or more, you know, I've just recently been going to church and I'm, I'm learning how to do things, but I do not think that I have a pride issue. I think a lot of us are probably in that area. And I, I'd say good for you, but we need to be aware. We need to be on guard against this. So here are some, here are some telltales, a way of evaluating yourself to see if pride is becoming your problem. First, you cannot take criticism. Anybody here like being criticized? I don't think no, anyone likes to be criticized, right? No. But can you take it? Can you understand it? Can you, can you evaluate yourself? See, when you're prideful, you struggle with that. And instead, when people criticize you, you turn around and criticize them. Or even worse, you go around their back and you criticize them to other people. Second, you always interject your own opinions even when you're not asked. Now, we won't show any hands, but I'm sure somebody has already pictured someone else in their head. And I know for myself, I tend to do this. I don't mean to, it just happens. It's I hear a story, I like the story, I want to tell them about my story, and next thing you know, I've topped their story and made them feel bad. That's not a good thing, is it? It's a terrible thing. But it's also a prideful thing. Third, you struggle to take direction, and you're not teachable. You ever heard that from someone before? That, hey, you're just not teachable right now. Your boss ever give you a job to do, and you just didn't want to do it, so you did as little as possible to do it? That's not, that's not leading with a humble heart. That's, that's struggling with pride. You always end up eating at the place that you want to eat. Now we're getting practical, aren't we? Yeah, this, I know there's some people here, you know, that, that, where do you guys want to go out to eat? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know. And you always end up at the same place, right, where that one person definitely wants to eat at. If you're that one person and you're getting food all the time, you might need to self-evaluate and go, when was the last time we went somewhere I didn't like? When was the last time we had to eat at McDonald's? Ugh. Right? Sometimes we have to eat that humble pie to lift others up. And here's the biggest thing is this. You are quick to point out the flaws in others, but you struggle to find the flaw, any fall in your own life. Think about that. How many times are we out there, we're able to criticize other people, but you can't find your own? You don't see the own, the, your own problem, right? When Jesus talked about this, right, that, you know, you, you try to take the speck of sawdust out of somebody else's eye and you have a whole plank in your own. That's what pride does. It makes us blind to how we act. See, pride is the opening that Satan needs to come in and to destroy not only you, but also your relationships with others. Satan has one job. He is to take you and everybody else to hell with him. That is his job, and he's good at it. He's been around a lot longer than you and I, and he can easily do this by that little opening called pride. So how do you take care of this? How do you do this? I love it. He said this. I've already mentioned it once. All of you clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. We've heard that term before, right? That clothe yourself. Clothe yourself with Christ. Paul uses it as well. 
It's an interesting term. It actually, in the Greek, the Greek word is very, a very strong word. And what it means is to bind something to yourself and to wear it constantly. P.H. Davis' commentary says this, It is a strong term, the root of which refers to an apron that a slave or a herdsman tied over his tunic to keep it from being soiled. So when, when you read this word that God, to clothe yourself with humility, this is something to protect you, to keep your inner inside safe, to save, save you from the fallout of the evil one. The second point is this, God cannot use you the way he wants to if you have a prideful heart. Whoever gets stuck in that, like, I just wish God would do something big in my life. I wish God would give me the talent or the ability for me to do something well. Now, first off, in saying that, you come across very prideful, right? Because once again, it's all about you. But we struggle with that, don't we? We want to do something well. We want to be significant. We want to go out and tear down and change the world and tear down walls and do great things. We want people to love us. But if we have a prideful heart, it's hard for God to do that. See, Peter follows up in verse 6. He said, humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Remember last week, Doug was talking about whenever you see the word therefore to pay attention. And the, the statement right before that is what matters. What does Peter say? Humble yourselves. Now, here's the reality. If you don't humble yourself... God will humble you. Have you ever been part of a God-humbling experience? Don't raise your hand. You know it's not fun, is it? It's like an open wound that's been infected, but it needs to be clean. We got to learn how to humble ourselves daily. God has big, he's got plans for you. He wants you to do great things. But if you are the ruler of your own ship, he can't steer it, can he? We can't sit there and say, well, you know, God, I I really wish that you would do great things, but only, you know, on Wednesday nights for me. God, I, I really would love to, you know, go and change the world, but I only have a week off in September. God, I really want to, you know, raise money and do amazing things. God, give me an amazing job so I can earn the money so I can do that. Now, that's not a bad prayer, but how else? How else can you build people up and be around, to, to, to rally around an idea? See, God, God loves using humble people to do great things. I mean, the Bible is full of it, Right? There might be some of you here that are new to the faith and don't know all the amazing stories that are in this book, but you need to get in. You need to find out. You'll find out that Moses, who actually killed a person when he was younger, you know, then he became a hermit and distanced himself. God used him to save the nation of Israel. Gideon was hiding on the threshing floor when God called him to take 300 men that were lapping water like dogs to conquer the Midianites. And when David was after God's own heart, he he defeated giants 
and other large armies. But when he started getting prideful, well, we know what happened then if you were here a couple, several weeks ago when Doug spoke on it. That incident with Bathsheba was terrible, and it's driven by pride. You see what Daniel did, what Ruth was able to do, and Mary, Jesus' mother, being in the lowly position that she had, all she did was say, yes, Lord, how can I serve you? God loves using humble people to do great things. He won't use prideful people to do things well. And you can get by doing a lot of God work on your own. You can do it on your own. If you're talented enough, you can do it. But guess what? It won't be great. It'll be okay. And after a while, you'll burn out. You'll burn down bridges. You'll wear people out. And you'll, become, and you'll get on the news, like so many other ministers or church leaders have, when they stopped acting in humility and were leading through their own selfish ambition. See, with a humble heart, God is eager to use us for great things. He wants to do amazing things with each and every one of you. But you have to open up your heart to what that is. And you must also be willing to say, yes. When those times come. So you may be thinking to yourself, well, Jimmy, how do I start walking in humility? I think I'm doing a good job. What are some other ways? How can I, how can I do this? Here's five. First, begin each day in prayer. Now, I know that's like the Sunday school answer, but guess what? We're here on Sunday. So begin each day with prayer. Go to the Father every morning. Wake up and say, Lord, make me your servant. Let me be able to do things to glorify your name and not my own. When people see Jimmy Ranshaw, let them see Jesus. You've got to bathe it in prayer. And when you go to bed at night, do the same thing. How about this? Compliment or encourage four people each day. When you are building other people up, what you're doing to yourself is you're, you're, you're releasing yourself from all the stress of building yourself up. When you build other people up, it's just an amazing thing. You see lives changed. You can change a person's life and how you talk to them, how you interact with them. So compliment or encourage four people each day. That could be through text, email. It'd be best verbally, but mean it. Don't lie. Don't be like, dang, like your hair, right? Be serious. And don't be superficial. Be intentional. Look for someone to help or to serve every single day. This means that you may say, you need to say no to what your own tasks are to saying yes to what God is pointing you to. Each day, go and try to find someone to serve. It doesn't have to take all day. It could be 10 minutes. You could go, I don't know, to, to your secretary or whatnot and say, hey, can I get you coffee? Can I hold the door open for you? Can I go and get your dry cleaning? Can I go and do your chores, brother or sister? How can you serve someone... How can you do that every single day? 
And this, this next one is something that's really helped me in my life. It's part of my, what I do with my uh, daily planning. List three things that you're grateful for every morning. Every single morning. See, when you start listing things that you're grateful for every single day, you start being aware of what God has done and provided for in your life. It's really easy to stand up and get very critical and say, well, I don't have what they have. I don't have a brand new car. I don't have a brand new house. My kids are crazy. Their kids look like they're, they're always perfect. Right? That's not right. But when you start writing down the grateful things, that's, the things that you're grateful for, you'll understand that God is moving and doing things in your life already that you're just overseeing. You need that fresh eyes in your life. The last thing is start celebrating other people. Don't be jealous of other people's accomplishments. Congratulate them. Build into them. Lift them up. Even if it's something small, do your best to highlight it for others. It will drive pride away from you. And brings me to my last point is this. Humility gives you the position to act with wisdom and strength. He follows up, verse 8 through 11. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in your faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of suffering. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Every day we have to understand we need to be, it's a self-controlled but really self-aware, that we have an enemy. His name is Satan. He's coming after you. He has a plan to destroy you. And if we just act like he's not there or brush off things in our life like coincidence, he's already got you. We need to understand that every day we are in a battle. Every day that when you wake up, something is coming after you. And when you're humble, you're able to ask for God's strength to get you through that. But when you are prideful, you're not listening to God and you're just thinking, I can take care of everything by myself. I can handle my own sin. I can handle my own temptations. I can handle my own broken relationships. All these lies over and over we tell ourselves. And ultimately, when we are in charge of our own ship, we will crash at some point. Proverbs 11.2 says this, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. We know what wisdom is, right? Wisdom's not knowledge. Wisdom is knowledge put into action. And we need to learn to use wisdom, especially in our spiritual battles that we have every day. But I think it's interesting that God doesn't, doesn't say, you know, like, don't worry, I'll take care of Satan. It's okay, I'll, I'll take care of no, he, he tells us, like, look, Satan's coming, but don't worry. You can fight him. You can stand up against him. I am here for you. And when you are humble enough <coughs> to step into my strength 
And my guidance, he can't touch you. His schemes will fall flat. See here at the last part, verse 10. Jesus says, he promises us like four things. He says, And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after all the suffering suffered a while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. So when you're humble, God wants to restore you. He wants to take all that baggage that you had, and he takes it away. He wants to build you right. Knock off all the dust, the dirt, the brokenness, and present you as new and whole. And he will give you strength and power to get through the hard times in life, the trials that you struggle with. He will make you firm. Now, now you may be thinking, well, strength and firm, what, what are you talking about? It, it, this is this, this density that you can withstand blow after blow after blow because you and I both know when we go through hard times in life, it's not one at a time, right? It seems like they compound on top of each other over and over and over again. And if you are leaning into Jesus, he will firm you. He will make you strong. And last, it says he will make you steadfast or he will build in you a new foundation. That you know, yeah, your problems might be big, but your God is bigger. Things might be terrible right now, but God has been around a lot longer, and he can handle much worse. So we need to understand that God is with us in our trials. He's with us in our celebrations. He's always with you. It's whether or not we are with him. So to conclude, I just want to tell you one other story. Happens to be at a beach. It's a couple years ago. Our family went down. And there was a low-pressure system in the Gulf. We were in Florida. And the uh, waves were pretty rough. They weren't 6 to 12 feet, but they were pretty rough. And my son and my daughter, who were probably 4 and 6 at the time, were out and trying to swim. And they just kept getting blown around left and right, you know. They had their little swimmy things on and everything else, and they're just going all over the place. And so the whole time, Molly and I, either Molly or myself, would have to be out there trying to pull them in, trying to pull them in. And for a while there, my son was like, no, I can do it, Dad. I can do it, Dad. I can do it, Dad. And then he'd get blown away, blown away. And one time he got kind of scared because he went pretty far away and he couldn't come back. And so finally he came to me. He's like, Dad, let's just, can you just hold on to me? Can you just keep me close? It's like, yeah, so it kind of became a game. I'd let him go out, and I'd grab him, and I'd pull him in, or I'd, I'd grab him go. And then the waves started getting bigger. <laughs> and so they wanted to, like, go over the waves, and, and the waves were starting to crash on me, and I was out here, and it's kind of, oh, man. Well, then I was like, well, I'm going to have fun with them. So I started throwing them up over the waves as I came in, and they were having a blast. They were having a great time. See, when we... When we go to Jesus, it's like us going to the Father and saying, grab a hold of me. Keep me strong in these turbulent waters. Protect me. Guide me. Send me places that I didn't know I could go. But when we try to navigate those waters ourselves, 
it can be doom for us. So the last thing I want you to know, and if you don't get anything else, is this. Through humility, God will carry you through all of life's circumstance. So the real question is, are you ready to put down your pride and walk humbly into the arms of Jesus? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for all the things that you do for our lives. The things we don't even realize that you do. Lord, I thank you for changing how we view how we should act and how we should be. I thank you for being so much bigger and better and stronger than what we ever could. Lord, I ask that you just guide us in our wake. Let us walk hand in hand and side by side with you. Lord, lift us up when times are too much for ourselves. And let us find comfort being clothed in you. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.